I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Any moment we'll be joined... Uh, It's expected by Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill. The story is this, and it first off starts uh, about a month ago when the district attorney, he appeared uh, before the news media and before cameras, and we broadcast to you here on these airwaves uh, his final determination in the uh, culpability of a pair of Salt Lake City Police Department officers in uh, in the shooting death of a fleeing suspect. He ultimately determined that there uh, was no violation of Utah state law, and that set off uh, some, uh, how can I describe it, some uh, some anger. There was some anger directed at the district attorney, and that evening there was a gathering of sorts uh, in front of his office building. Uh, there was paint that came out. There uh, were demonstrators there. I, I spent some time there on the on the periphery myself observing, and I can tell you that the attitude towards media uh, was hostile that night. Uh, a little bit of context. Uh, if you go all the way back, I think to, uh, was it May 30th or so, when there were uh, those protests in downtown Salt Lake City where the police car was overturned and uh, other acts of vandalism uh, were were carried out. Well, Many of the arrests that stemmed from that night were, uh, well, some of the evidence that led to the arrest came from uh, media footage, reviewing, uh, say, footage collected from Chopper 5 and some of our uh, KSL, both radio and television reporters, gathered uh, right there in the street. And so uh, the protesters, the demonstrators, the rioters, whatever you want to call them, uh, they got wise. And uh, about a month ago, uh, when they were gathering in front of the offices uh, of Sim Gill, district attorney, uh, they they knew that should their behavior be caught on camera, uh, if it were to be uh, illegal, that that footage might be used to bring about uh, certain arrests or at least the filing of charges. And so as I was there and I saw some of my colleagues in, in media, especially if they were identifiable, you know, had a real uh, familiar face uh, or had a professional-looking camera, there were, uh, there were protesters there with uh, umbrellas and signs uh, or maybe their own bodies to block the field of view and prevent uh, certain coverage of of the events taking place that night. What did take place? Well, I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, the streets were painted red. Red paint was splashed all over the side of the district attorney's building. Uh, there were hundreds, hundreds of red painted handprints all over the pillars and columns that support. And you've seen this footage. You, you know what I'm describing. Uh, it's nothing new to you. There was also uh, that evening 
a, a pair of individuals that, uh, at least as shown on camera footage collected by Chopper 5, uh, used pipes or bars or something to smash windows on that building. Well, uh, yesterday we learned that uh, the district attorney has filed uh, some charges. Uh, three, in fact, uh, have been charged. Three individuals are charged uh, with uh, some pretty serious crimes. They're charged yesterday with criminal mischief, a first-degree felony, and rioting, a third-degree felony. That's according to documents filed in the third district court just yesterday. Backing up a little bit, before we get into uh, the, the root of the story, which is the potential sentences to the, which could come should these charges uh, turn into convictions, the possible charges are, are pretty extreme in some estimation. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let's go back uh, to July 9th, uh, the evening of the protests. And here is, here's how Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown uh, described the scene as he spoke with KSL Television. This is a very volatile and dangerous situation. Uh, like I said, we tried to give them the space that we have night after night after night. It just took a turn for the worse tonight where they started to break the windows and breach the district attorney's office building. And so we cannot allow that. And so we have we've ordered our public order unit to go in, declare it an unlawful assembly and to move those out. We are now joined by uh, District Attorney Sim Gill uh, joining us now. Uh, sir, you and I haven't had a chance to speak since that night. Uh, let me first and foremost ask you, wh where were you that night, and what were you thinking as you thought, saw these events unfold? Oh, well, you know, uh, we were, you know, I was at, at my house, and, uh, you know, and uh, we, were, we, were, we had a team that was here uh, that was uh, addressing the issue, uh, and, uh, you know, we were sort of uh, just, uh, prepared uh, and uh, as an office, uh, uh, just like everybody else, uh, 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 just saw the things unfold as they did. Yeah. Uh, your office has charged three individuals with criminal mischief and rioting, and the criminal mischief charges include a gang attribute elevating the possible sentence to life. Could you explain the rationale for those charges and the gang enhancement? Well, uh, so when we when we looked at our charging, whenever our charging policy is to look at the evidence that is presented from uh, to us from law enforcement, look at the charges that law enforcement is requesting from us, and uh, to see what the conduct is, and then to apply the law to the uh, facts and the actions in a uniform way, because these are uh, everybody has the presumption of innocence. This is a descriptive allegation of what uh, the uh, what the, cri uh, the alleged crimes are, and we do that across the board because uh, we don't try to exercise discretion in one person or, or whatever or another thing or try to change it because we want to make sure that we're uniform in our application. But once the charges are filed, then the dispositions are then taken to the effect who those individuals are, what is the context that they're in, what is their culpability and involved, and that's the process that started. So uh, this was, you know, uh, there were multiple different events that occurred, Lee, and uh, uh, we've, you know, we've thus far filed, I think, roughly about 31 uh, cases 
And so our analysis was no different. We followed the same analysis. Uh, we didn't target anybody or make anybody a, a special project. It was just what the evidence was and what the law is and what the articulation of the conduct is. And that's what we did here. Uh, we have a screening team that had been following all the different charges from all the different events, and that's the same process that they use as we do in every case. That number 31, is that in reference to charges filed stemming from uh, the night of July 9th or in total all the demonstrations? Oh, no, this is, this is total, you know, starting in May when those sure. different things happened. You know, we had the bow and arrow guy. We had right. the people who flipped the cars. We had individuals who busted out the windows at the Matheson Courthouse. We had individuals who were at the City Creek. We had a person who fired a weapon. Right. Uh, then, then there are this, uh, so all of that in the last sort of month and month and a half, all those different issues that are coming. And my point simply in there is these aren't just two or three cases that we file now. They've been part of a, uh, the stuff that we've been working with law enforcement, and they brought that to us. Uh, and we have used exactly the same sort of analysis. My point was simply that I know that there's some people who are saying, well, this was specially targeted at somebody, or this is to chill free speech. And let me just sort of say, I, you've heard me say this before, I respect the protesters. Mm-hmm. I believe in protests. I believe it's our constitutional right. I participated in protests, and I will pro- participate in future protests. But, our, uh, but when you go from uh, your constitutionally protected right to engaging in uh, a conduct that is otherwise criminal, then that is different. And uh, we have a responsibility uh, to uh, apply the law if that is uh, applicable. And that, to me, is qualitatively different. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. We're just doing our job. Did you, uh, did you ever consider recusing yourself from this process as it is your building uh, that was yes, attacked that a, evening? That's and... a great question. So let me address that. Yeah, absolutely. So remember, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are under, uh, uh, understaffed. And we also had ongoing investigations from law enforcement that our office was already involved in. So we were in the process of trying to get an outside independent counsel in place, which we are all in the process of getting in place. But we, because of the timeliness and this, the work that we were doing, and they were similar to everything, we made the decision to go ahead and file the charges. But I can assure you, every single person who is attached to our building, that case will be handled by an independent prosecutor who will have the complete authority to do with it whatever they want, including dismissal. If that's what they want to do, we will turn that over to them. But we will separate them uh, ourselves from it. It's just that with the volume of stuff and the challenges that we were under, we went ahead and uh, made the decision to just screen and file the charges as we are trying to get that uh, independent prosecutor on board. Uh, understood. Uh, do, do you expect that any of these three will serve life in prison? No, I, I think that uh, I know that there's been concern. Uh, look, Anybody who knows the criminal justice system knows, and uh, that uh, that uh, uh, the very rarely is that you know the, when the charges occur, the dispositions are going to be focused on on an individual person. Uh, even objectively looking at the reforms that have been done at the sentencing guidelines and metrics, uh, this is the beginning of a process. I don't see objectively how anybody is going to be going to prison. Now, will there be consequences for their conduct and be held accountable for that? Uh, yes, uh, because uh, all of us are responsible for our individual conduct, and we're uh, responsible for the consequences of that conduct. And uh, and so uh, so this is a beginning of a process, but objectively looking at it, I, uh, I doubt very much under the sentencing guidelines, uh, uh, depending on what the person's criminal history is, whether they're going to be uh, looking at anything like that. Mr. Gill, thank you for Remember, your time. Thank you for explaining all this. 
Okay, you bet. Take care. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Sim Gill, Salt Lake County District Attorney, explaining uh, some of the rationale behind some new charges filed against those who participated in some protests and some demonstrations, and according to the charging documents, um, some felonious activity. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, I'm very much looking forward to this next conversation. It, uh, it, it's looking at students in higher education institutions who went to all online learning. Now, those students, they paid full tuition when they signed up. Did they get their mother's money's worth? And do they deserve some money back? We'll debate that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.